The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Hey, Belgian. Uh, maybe they are. Who Someone knows? Check. Someone check plastic Bertrand are actually Belgian. <laughs> Did that just strike you as you were listening to it? I was stop. listening to it. Actually, hold on a minute. These these guys aren't French Saint at all. Bonbon. And obviously, it's it's like it's the punk song in French. But are they? I'm not sure. I could be totally wrong. Yeah, maybe they are. Maybe but, they are. But it's a banging tune, they, nonetheless. If they are Belgian, I bet you they've been to Paris, though. Ah, which is where we are going yeah, for so, Travel Tuesday this week. So. Ireland plays South Africa. Yeah, sorry, he's a bad. Thank you, Padre, our producer. He is a Belgian musician, songwriter, producer, editor, and television presenter. So with the yes, Belgian, which speaks to born the in Brussels to a French father and Ukrainian mother. See, and that's the thing is one. Sapin pour moi didn't have the same ring to it in Flemish or Ukrainian. No. But it, it speaks as like, is that, is there a touch? If the guy is listening, it would be like, you know, when foreign managers talk about the Irish national team and go, yeah, those English teams, they really play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, Paris. We covered Paris about six months ago on the slot, but I figured, so, with the exception of Tonga, which I think Ireland are playing in, in Nantes. Nantes. yeah. So, the two big games of the group stages. So, they're playing South Africa on the 23rd and then they play Scotland on the 7th of October. So, two weeks after that. And I imagine that thousands of Irish fans are going to make their way to the French capital for those games. And if you have a ticket, I'm very, very jealous. If you don't have a ticket, it's still a good reason to go because you're in Paris, which is one of the great cities of the world. Um, I was, when I was putting the notes together, yeah. and I lived in Paris in the, in the 90s, and I remember the one and only time I went to see the Irish rugby team play in France was on the 21st of March, 1992. Right. And during... The, well, the, these were not uh, these were not the halcyon days of Irish rugby. Let's say, so Ireland went, they had a clean record that year, played four, lost four. Yeah. Including a 44 to 12 defeat at the hands of the French. And it was a week after St. Patrick's Day. And the French guy that I went to the Parc des Princes with, because it was played in the Parc des Princes then, um in all seriousness, turns around to me halfway through the match and goes, but the the Irish team, they're drinking last night heavily, yes? <laughs> like, maybe? I hope they were. <laughs> I hope they were because, <laughs> anyway, yeah, these were not good days, but hopefully better fortunes will prevail. Now, if people around. are heading over, uh, we'll talk about kind of the different bars to go yeah. and watch the match in and socialise in, uh, but there's fan zones as so well. So the Place de la Concorde, which is... The most elegant, or one of, I mean, Paris is full of elegant squares. It's one of the most elegant squares has been converted into the fan zone. So it's got the huge screens, but also in typical, you always imagine the French to organise things really, really well. But as Champions League finals and Bordeaux, the match in Bordeaux Mm. showed, is sometimes their organisation, certainly at a logistical level, can fall far short of of what you'd hope for. Yeah, and not just the Irish game. I was watching some of the other games as well over the weekend. And the Argentina... uh, Yeah, the Argentina-England game as well. They cut to crowds outside as well, gathering, yeah. Anyway, look, uh, I'm ever the eternal optimist. I'm hoping it's just teething problems. But the fan zone, so they... But what they do is in terms of the, the desire for a really memorable event is there. So the fan zone is not just the big screens where people can gather. It's also, they have DJs 
away from the games and there'll be talks and all kinds of events and music. And it's the idea is to turn the Rugby World Cup in Paris into some kind of street party. Now, Paris is a big city and so life must go on. And yes. There's lots of people in Paris who couldn't care less about the rugby. But if you do are in Paris for the rugby, it's a great city regardless. And yeah. I envy anyone because like any bar that has a TV will show your match or whatever. But there are like a number of bars. Okay. Oh, what well, bars? the Harp is an obvious one. There's lots of Irish bars, lots and lots of Irish bars. The Harp up in, in uh, it's kind of in the Pigalle Montmartre area, like on mm. Boulevard Clichy. It's kind of a classic Irish bar. There's around the corners Corcoran's or just down the street, also in the same bar. But these will get packed. And if you want that kind of jammers atmosphere, fine, knock yourself out. The good pints of Guinness, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's another one, right? In Saint-Germain-des-Prés in the 6th is The Moose, which is a Canadian bar. Okay. Now, I kind of like the idea of a Canadian bar to watch the rugby. Yeah. Yeah. Eh? And now, if you want to go all Aussie, yeah? Um, Café Oz in Châtelet, which is right in Leal, right in the middle of the 2nd. Um, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Too easy, Mike. <laughs> this is terrible. This is terrible. <laughs> but, and then, and that's a huge, and you see classic Aussie bar. So it's like what it lacks in character, it more than makes up for in chicken wings and huge TV screens. Yeah, and Pints of Fosters. And Pints of Fosters. And then there's, so there's O'Sullivan's by the mail. So in Pigalle, also kind of in the... There's so O'Sullivan's, I think there's four. There's one on Franklin D. Roosevelt, which is over in the, is it the 16th or the 8th? I think it's the 8th. Um, then there's the one in Châtelet, which is called the Rebel Bar. And then there's the one in Bastille in the 11th, which is called the Bootleg Bar. And then there's the Grand Boulevard, which is on the Grand Boulevard. And so that's O'Sullivan's. Now, here's one for you, right? Yeah. So we're playing Scotland on the 7th of October. That's right, yeah. Dare you go... To the Highlander. Oh, a Scottish bar. Yes. Oh, where's that? In the sixth. Oh, very Rue good. De, Rue de Nivers. Like, I mean, you'd want to be. It could be good fun. It could be good fun. It could be good fun. Because there's no shortage of great options. In there other are words, no. Too. And then the one, if I had to pick one myself, I'd go to the counter rugby bar, which is in Rue de Vaugirard in the 15th. And it's a quiet neighborhood bar, but owned, I think it's owned by somebody who played rugby from the South and so it's got this like rugby pedigree. Anyway. Okay. Look, you don't need me, like you know the bar. You, I, I'm sure if you're going for the rugby, if you're not going, if you don't have a match ticket, you already have a yeah. better idea of where you're going to watch it. But Okay, so let's imagine then there's people who are well, going you, to Paris for the rugby uh, but they've never been. And, and there's other things to do. The, yeah, well, I mean, what, what, else, what else will they Nurse do? Nurse a hangover, uh, queue for the RER to start uh, for the Stade de France and the nightmare of getting there. That's yeah. Old. And then, look, you've never been to Paris? Go to the Eiffel Tower. Pre-book it. <laughs> oh, yeah. the you queues. don't queue anymore, no? No, 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 no. All those days of queuing. And that was one of the things that would put most people off the Eiffel Tower was that this endless queue to mm. get up it. Nowadays, you pre-book, so you get your allotted time. So you show up. Now, you're still queuing, but instead of queuing for the guts of two hours, you might be queuing for 20 minutes. For your, your allotted time slot. Yeah. Um, now, if you want, and that's obviously your your classic view, but when we did New York, it's, it's the similar issue with, with climbing the Empire State Building is, is that you do get a great view of New York, except for you don't get to see the Empire State Building. Yes. So if you want that bird's eye view of Paris. Now, at the top of Sacré-Cœur up in Montmartre. Yes. You, you've been. Yeah. So you climb to the top and you get, and it's because it's also on the butte, so it's up on the hill. 
Um, so you get that view right down into Paris and it's quite beautiful. On the other side of the city, if you go to the Tour Montparnasse, which is, I could be wrong, but I think it's the tallest building inside the Périphérique, which is the, the, ring, the roads. ring roads. Because the buildings in La Défense out in western yeah. Paris are, are quite big. Huge, yeah. But anyway, so you've got like, um, you've got a public observation deck on the 56th floor. So you get like that wonderful view that includes the Eiffel Tower. Um, look, if you want the top museums, obviously the Louvre. Like you'd be mad not to go to the Louvre if you've never been. Like mm. go, go, go. And do, and do actually work the scrum, to use the rugby analogy. Yes. Work the scrum for the Mona Lisa. Out of yeah. the way, out of the way. And and then, like everyone say, God, it's much smaller it's than much I smaller thought. It's much smaller than you think. Yeah. yeah. And then the Venus de Milo, which is also there, like... With missing arm. Missing the arm. Um, and, and, and even just the Louvre building itself is stunning. So, like, you come in through the glass pyramid, IMP's beautiful pyramid in the square. And also, you get that sense of the imperial grandeur of Paris. I mean, it really is a spectacular setting. So, the Louvre Museum, which is the old royal palace, is worth pointing out. So yeah not built as a museum of fine art, built mm. as where the king would live. And um, the other museums, the Musée d'Orsay, obviously, which is the, uh, I mean, modern art, masterpieces. I mean, look, everything. You want Impressionism, Van Gogh, Monet, Manet, Degas, Renoir, everywhere, by the bucket load. Not just like five or six. Um, the other ones is that if you like um, the Musée de l'Orangerie, which is more Monet and it's got its water lilies is there. There's yeah. also, and I mentioned this, I think the last time I was on talking about Paris, the Musée Marmottan Monet, which is the biggest single collection. If you are a fan of Monet, go there. Um, Centre Pompidou is Monet closed. was a clue in the New York Times crossword yesterday. Anyway, that's an aside. Did you get it? Of course I got it, Fiona. Uh, is it cryptic or? Is it? No, the mini crossword. I'm in a league. You're in a league? Yeah, we're in a league, yeah. To do it every day. I do Wordle. About, it's going for nearly five years, early. I do Wordle with my wife and her family and we post each other's... Don't you? Own. And you dare to call me a yeah, nerd. I know, yeah. <laughs> game, anyway. game, game recognises game. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the Centre Pompidou, which is, you know, where the building, where the guts of the building are on the outside? Yes. Where the inside's yes. on the outside. Well, that's closed for a renovation at the moment. But like, you look, you know, you can still see and it's, it's quite nice. The Arc de Triomphe, can you climb that? Yes. Yes. And you don't think you can because yeah. it's... Because it's, it's encircled by, you know, this like, this belt of fast moving traffic and yeah. that old, I don't know. And it's, I think it's one of those, like, I don't know if it's an old wives tale, but they say that if you, if you crash your car on the, on the, that you can't, your, your insurance, your insurance is doesn't not cover you. Yeah, yeah, I know. That is definitely, that but is yes, definitely not true. <laughs> um, so absolutely. The other thing I would say is, is that if you have the time and you Yes, of course, I've just named you four of the 15 top attractions in the city. But if you want that slightly insider look, go on a secret food tour. And this is a company that does them in different parts of the world. Um, they do walking tours, various neighbourhoods. They do kind of like lesser known cheese shops and places that make chocolate and cafes or wine cellars. And, and you come away going and it's like, you know, three hours of an afternoon and you come away going, Right, I had an experience that I wouldn't have otherwise had because I wouldn't have known where these places are. So I think that's good. Um, Paris Bikes Tour, they do bike tours. So that's a nice thing to do. Um, or Paris a Vélo, there's another company that do bike tours. That's another nice thing to do. And if only just the stops that you make, but you get to see the city from the bike. So you're not just going underground into the metro. 
what I love about Paris is it's kind of a little like Rome in this regard as well, is that um, and not every European city is is this way. I mean, if you go to somewhere like Athens, you've got some really remarkable parts and then a lot of the rest of it is kind of just nondescript European cityscape. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, Paris, if you're up around kind of Boulevard Montmartre around there, if you're staying there, you can kind of meander down towards the Louvre so and all that. And it's actually point. just, it, there's, is it the Jardin de la something? There's this kind of tree-lined park. You'll just Jardin find Jardin du Luxembourg. That, is that it? You've, you just you just will happen upon these so lovely little... Um, there's a couple of... Uh, uh, courtyard there, kind of large courtyard. And that's a very parks. good point. That's a very, very good Beautiful point. Beautiful streetscape. Paris is, for a major European destination, mm. is a very walkable city. It's yes. a big city by our standard. Not big as London, for instance, but very walkable. There's there's no part of Paris that I can think of that isn't some way interesting or historic or beautiful. Or even if you walk down a nondescript, quiet residential street in the 17th, for instance, which is just a quiet residential street. Jardin du Palais Royal. Oh, the Jardin. Yeah, okay. Yeah, which is a lovely little park. Anyway, sorry. There you go. Sorry. So uh, the Jardin du Luxembourg on the other side. Are they on the yes. south side of the Seine? Yeah, they're on that, the That's on the, bush. well, the, no, because I'm walking down from the you're Grand, down from Grand uh, Boulevard Fair. Montmartre. So yeah. it's on the north side. But then it's, you're right. You can wander then then towards kind of Notre Dame and then down to the Sorbonne and the Latin Quarter. No, it's all walkable. And that's the thing. And so there's very few, like even even kind of the, the neighbourhoods of the like the 20th, which are the external uh, uh, neighbourhoods, even they are interesting. And they're full of like, a lot of local life. I mean, it's a very... Now, I would say the same about London. London, yeah. weirdly, like you think, because it's so big and... Central London, and I mean from, you know, South London... Brit- is, British Museum, down towards Buckingham Palace, down along the Mall, yeah, down along towards Westminster. Infinitely walkable Oh, city. so walkable and lovely to walk yeah. around. Paris, except, Paris is that, except what? I was Except kind of from the British Museum when you get to kind of... Um, is it the bottom of kind of Tottenham Court Road? Where is that around there? Kind of Central Plaza. It's the end of Oxford Street. Yeah. The cruddy end of it. Yeah, well. Cross that quickly. <laughs> Cross that quickly. Um, I, think, I think it's a very good point. So Paris is a great walking city. It's a very beautiful city. It's a very romantic city. And it has, and all of those things are cliches, but they're cliches for a reason. I, I lived there for three years, as I said, in the 90s. And I have never been to Paris and been disappointed. Ever. Yeah. And I've been countless, countless times. And it's one of those destinations that forever excites me. And you're always fine. Like, and what I do is I'll always, a local recommendation. Someone will go, oh, some Mickey Mouse restaurant that only local people in, you know, and, and, and Resto du Coin, as they say in French, a restaurant of the corner. Mm. It's like, it's not fa- but like you go in and it'll do two dishes, but the dishes are exceptional. Well, uh, let's assume that anybody who's going to the Rugby World Cup would have accommodation booked. Sort of. And if they don't, you're going to sleep in jump a Jump down to a couple of those places to eat yeah, then so, off the beaten um, track. So look, I'm going to recommend uh, Chez La Jean, which is in the 7th. And it, this is a, actually, it used to be a Basque rugby pub, so staying within okay. the theme. Uh, Josephine Chez Dumonet, which is in the 6th on uh, Rue du Cherche Midi. And Comis. Now, Comis is a Michelin-starred restaurant where the signature menu is around 120 euro. And that's four courses. Like, That's not bad for Michelin-starred in Paris. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now remember, I think think there are, 
over 150, if not 200 stars in Paris. Wow. Yeah, it's shocking. It's like ridiculous. But then again, it's a Michelin guide. So they're always going to be biased towards French cuisine. But anyway, but this is really, really good. And look, and then there's great blogs. So um, David Leibovitz has, is an ex or expat US pastry chef and he has great recommendations. So davidlebowitz.com, Le Fooding. This is a great one. L-E Fooding, F-O-O-D-I-N-G.com. Brilliant blog. Great recommendation for local restaurants. All right. There you have it. Uh, what was it called? Uh, Ellie, Le Fooding, L-E-F-O-O-D-I-N-G.com. Uh, if you want to find out more, listen back to this. We'll have it up as a podcast very, very quickly uh, to get more of the detail. Fiona, as always, a pleasure. Thanks, and we'll talk to you again at the same time next week. Fiona Davenport there. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.